Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Hey, so my name's Josh. I'm a student pastor. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks. I so appreciate that. Um, God, that that feels so good. Um, So, hey, uh, I'm a student pastor. Uh, Two of my students and one guy who's just a good friend Um, up front. (laughs) Um, So... I have a seven-month-old um, named Renly. Um, so Renly, uh, she doesn't have, um, we've kind of created some rules for her and kind of how things are going right now. We're still figuring that out. Um, but I don't know if you know this, but uh, seven-month-olds don't need a ton of screen time. Um, it's not really good for them. It's not good for their eyes and also not good for their attention spans. Um, so we don't give our daughter any screen time. Um, it's just a decision that we've made. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but this is a decision we've made. And one of the reasons is because she really doesn't understand English yet. So um, there's no real reason for her to, Eng- to listen to English television if she doesn't even comprehend it, because she can barely understand what we say, right? Um, so we've made that decision, but we've noticed something happening with Renly whenever um, the TV is on. Maybe you've noticed this with your own small children uh, when they were babies, but no matter how we face, no matter what we're doing, if the TV is on, her head is going towards the TV, right? You ever seen this before with a baby? Um, It's like their head's on like 360 swivel like an owl, right? Like they can completely turn their heads around. And so for Renly... I'm holding her, watching whatever it is I have on TV. I love watching alone, so it it might be alone. It might be uh, the Cowboys game. I'm a big Cowboys fan. Um, So I'm watching it, right? And I've got her facing me, and no matter what, like she's turning her head. So she turns her head this way, like I turn her body this way. So she turns her head this way. So it's just this constant back and forth motion, right? That I'm just playing this dance move with Renly back and forth. And then all of a sudden I realized within my own head, I was like, I just got to turn off the TV. Like I can't even watch this stuff anymore because no matter what I do, she's going to look at the TV. Like sometimes I just ask her, I'm like, girl, where's your head at? Like, where's your head at? Like, what are you looking at? Like, you don't even know what's happening. The Dallas Cowboys are on the TV, and we've never even talked about football before, right? Alone's happening, and it's these people who are out in the wilderness, and you've got no clue what's going on. Why are you watching this? Where's your focus? So I would ask you that question today. Where's your head at? Where's your focus? What do you think about on a regular basis? What goes through your mind as you go throughout your day? What are you distracted by that keeps your focus? See, this happened with Renly a couple, uh, probably two, three weeks ago, something like that. I noticed that she was doing the same thing where she would turn her head, turn her head, turn her head. Um, and I'm feeding her a bottle. It's just me and Renly at home hanging out. I'm feeding her a bottle. And TV's like over here. Feed her in a bottle like this, right? And I'm watching whatever it is I'm watching on TV. And she starts to turn her head away from her bottle, right? 
And so I keep the bottle right where it's at. And she turns her head. And then she goes into full-on freak-out mode because she realizes, oh, I'm not eating anymore, right? So she'll go back and forth, and she'll go, oh, and then go back to the bottle. And then she'll turn her head again, and go, oh, and it's just this back and forth, right? And the thing that she needs, the thing that she needs to be focusing on is right here in front of her. But she's so distracted by what's going on on that TV, and she doesn't even need what's happening on the TV. It has no consequence for her life whatsoever about how good the Cowboys are doing, right? There is no sort of consequence for her of watching the TV, but yet, no matter what, she's looking at it. Now, you could say, well, Josh, be a good dad and go turn off the TV. Um, Sometimes I do. Um, I won't say that I'm perfect and go do it every time, right? But for Renly, as my child, she is distracting herself with the TV. Now, this is a seven-month-old, right? But how often do we do this within our own lives? That we are so distracted by the things that exist within the world, by the circumstances that we find ourselves in, that it keeps us from the thing that we need most that's right there in front of us. The thing that we should be focusing on, the thing that this is what gives me life, and yet my head is somewhere else. My head is not where it needs to be. We could talk about um, social media. We could talk about phones. We could talk about Netflix. Netflix does that thing where they they leave you with a cliffhanger at the end of the episode, so you just go on to the next episode, right? And all of a sudden, you look up five and a half hours later, and you're like, I should have bet a, bet a long time ago, right? Um, it's like, my whole Saturday got wasted. Um, we're so distracted, right? And distraction creates busyness, and busyness leads to freak out. Now, uh, freak out is not a that, that's a Josh term. That's not a, it's not in a, I tried to look it up in the dictionary. It's not there. Um, so, but freak out, the way I would define that is I have let my emotions take over. Everything that I do is based on the emotions that I feel. Okay. Um, if you don't know what this looks like, um, we got any fans of the office in the house? Yeah. I love The Office. Um, now, I will say, if you've never seen The Office, you might want to uh, preview it before you go and watch your kids, watch it with your kids. Um, it's not a show I'm going to watch with Renly. Um, wouldn't do that. Um, and I would suggest that you say, hey, at sometimes this might not be the right uh, show for you. But there are some real funny parts in it. And one of them is uh, they have the opening reels, the opening parts of the episodes. Um, this one's called the fire drill. Um, if you have ever seen the fire drill, it goes with Dwight, who at times, he, he, it seems like he's trying so hard to do well at his job. And he's just the, the fire safety like guy, right? And he's trying to give them like fire safety awareness. But he says, instead of doing the fire drill, um, which they did yesterday and nobody really paid attention, he's going to start a fire in the office, right? And he is going to see if their emergency preparedness is actually to the level that it needs to be. 
And so what he does is he goes through all this, it, it kind of looks like a home alone scene where he just goes through and he like breaks off keys in the doors and he like lights the, uh, the handles, like he puts a blowtorch up to it so that it like feels like it's hot and all these sorts of things. And then he lights a fire in the trash can in the break room, right? And he's like, we'll see whether or not they actually know their emergency preparedness. He does this. And it goes from very quickly, like, okay, what's the procedure? Okay, what do we do? To, like, it goes nuts real, real fast, right? Like, all of a sudden, like, Angela, who's one of the accountants, she throws her cat through the, like, ceiling, right? Like, why she has a cat in the office, who knows? But, like, that's a portion of it. There's, like, Oscar's trying to climb through the same ceiling. There's, uh, sorry, I'm going really nerdy for those of you who don't watch The Office. You're like, who are these people? Um, but all these crazy things start happening all around the office. Why? Because things went haywire and I let my emotions take over and you just see people freaking out everywhere why because their circumstances changed and my circumstances leads my emotions and I need to react on those emotions I need to control my circumstance so that I can control my emotions I don't think that's a good place for us to land. I think there's got to be a different way. That we don't let our circumstances dictate to us what our emotions are, how we should feel. Um, and we're going to look in Philippians 4 today, verses 4 through 9. Um, you can turn there in your Bible. But in this place, Paul is teaching people, the people of Philippi, he's teaching them how do you not freak out in the midst of very trying circumstances? They're being persecuted as the church in Philippi, and he's going, you need to be different than all the other people who are freaking out around you. How do you do that? That's what he says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I want to camp out on that word always, always, that my heart would always have this place of joy that I come back to time and time again, that no matter my circumstance, that joy is what you see from me, that I would rejoice no matter the circumstance. Can I be honest, that ain't what I see all the time. In my own life, I'm not even talking about you guys yet, right? I'm talking about with me, how I freak out, how I go to that place that you don't see joy from me whenever somebody cuts me off in traffic, how you don't see joy from me whenever up here on a Thursday, I was trying to make coffee and I forgot my keys at the house, and all of a sudden I started thinking about all the 15 different things I got to do in order to be at the coach's Bible study at Cedar Creek right? Like all the different things that I got to do, and one thing goes wrong, and all of a sudden, my whole day goes from joy and peace in the place of God to freak out mode. And all of a sudden, I don't look much like Jesus. I'm supposed to rejoice always, regardless of the circumstance. And you look at Paul at this point, I do, and I'm like, 
Oh, that's great, Paul. Wish I could do that. Wish I could actually rejoice in this circumstance. But you don't know what happened to me today. You don't know what went down in my life. You don't know all these things that are happening to me, and therefore it caused me to have this emotion that now I'm acting upon, right? But realize what happened when we do that is that now I'm letting my emotions that exist on the inside of me that I think are right. I don't really question those all the time, but I think those emotions are correct, and therefore I act out of those emotions, assuming that the emotions that are in my head are actually what's true. Paul instead says something very, very different. He says this in verse 5. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. So that word graciousness right there, um, when I first read that, I was like, I don't fully understand that word, right? I kind of know what gracious means. Um, I think it has something to do with grace and like giving people grace, right? But I was like, I need to do a little research. Um, And I I did, and I didn't really like Webster's definition. So I was like, well, let me go like do a little more research and look at a couple different versions and see what that looks like. And a a different version, and actually, if you go back to the original, um, it's got some different like connotations in different um, versions of the Bible, but it kind of rounds out to this idea of uh, reasonableness or level-headedness, right? That, and graciousness fits in there. You can understand where they were coming from, right? That gracious is this idea that I give other people grace in this circumstance, that I, my attitude is one of grace, that I'm okay regardless of the circumstance that happened to me, right? That I have this level head, that I'm being reasonable with what I'm doing here. That we should be people as Christians, that when things happen to us, that we're okay when circumstances come along. That my emotions doesn't, they don't go automatically to freak out mode. But I can be reasonable, I can be level-headed in this place. Why? What's the second part of that verse? The Lord is near. We can be reasonable, we can be level-headed, because we realize that God's in control of all of this. That this isn't me controlling this. And I think this is really why we have problems with our emotions. Because I'm trying to control everything. I'm trying to hold on to it. I'm not trusting God with it. I'm saying, no, 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 I've got this long list of to-dos— And I've got to control each one of them, right? And if I don't control them, then everything's out of control. Freak out is due to a lack of trust in God. It is. Whenever I freak out, whenever my emotions take over, when things go haywire in my life, it's because I haven't trusted God in the midst of a circumstance that didn't work out the way I thought it would. Um, there is this prayer, um, it's called the serenity prayer, um, that I think fits this um, idea well, um, 
but I think we get it really, really wrong sometimes. So I'm going to read the first part of it. Um, maybe you've seen this around, though. This is what it says. God, grant me the serenity to, change the thi- to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay? So uh, maybe you've seen this. People seen this on Facebook, right? Or on, like, somebody sends you, like, an encouraging little letter or something like that. Even maybe you wrote it on, a, like, a pallet thing that you put on your wall. You know, um, you see this a lot. It's all over the place, these three, right? Can I be honest with you? That's not the serenity prayer. That's not it. You see this everywhere, and they say this is the serenity prayer. And what we do when we look at this is we equate the first two as if they're equal. We say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change on one hand, and the courage to change the things I can, right? And so we put it on this scale, and then God, I'm like, let me know the wisdom and knowing the difference between the two, right? But they, it sounds like they're fairly equal if you bring it to this place, that it's just these things, right? And it's, there's this whole group of things that I can control, and, and sometimes, if we're honest, we feel like there's this little bit that I can't control, and God will give you that little bit of my life, right? I'll give you the little bit that I can't control, but I'll give you I, this, all this over here. I can control this, so I'll be in charge of all this. This little bit over here, I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you because I, I, I can't control that portion, the small little things, right? This is what the serenity prayer actually says. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. So much of this serenity prayer is not about you. It's not about me. If we just read those first three parts of it, we get this whole idea that's in our head that I can control all these things in this small little part I'll give to God. When in reality, if we went ahead and read the rest of it, we would notice I can't control anything in this world except for myself. All I can control is myself. That's why one of the fruits of the Spirit, and even this portion of the fruits of the Spirit, is self-control. We get to love, peace, patience, kindness, right? And we get get all the way down, and that last one is self-control. Maybe you know it's there, but I'm still trying to get the first, like, four or five of them, right? Like, I can't even get to the self-control portion, as if that wasn't a fruit of the Spirit, which means that it has to come through the Spirit that exists within me, that I can't control any of these things. It's actually God who controls me and helps me control my emotions. So it brings us to this place that how do we do that? We do it because the Lord is near to me. We do it because I can trust in Him. And then it gets into the portion that says, okay, now that you're there, now that you trust in the Lord, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That you get to this place of you don't have to be anxious because God is near. See, worry is this emotion. Worry is this emotion that we feel when we're trying to control the uncontrollable circumstances that are around us. That we are white-knuckling our circumstances when we should have just laid it at Jesus' feet. We should have said, God, I've got all these things that I'm worried about. Let me lay them at your feet. That's what it means. Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. That it would be these three, these three things. That I'm going to pray to God that I am going to give him those things that are on my heart, and I'm going to be thankful that he is the God that provides, regardless of what I think he provides, because that's the second part, right? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that you get what you want. It says that our emotions— our peace that exists within us, that God will give us a peace in the midst of our circumstance. Guys, that is so much better than changing your circumstance. It means that circumstance does not dictate what your emotions are anymore. That I can control my emotions. That in the midst of the circumstance, regardless of what happens, that I find peace in God because he is near to me. And it's that idea of hearts and minds that, that it's an internal state of peace. The world could be crazy around me. It's like Jesus on the boat whenever the storm's going crazy and the disciples come to him and say, you're asleep. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus got this internal peace that he's like, Nah, I got bigger plans than this. I know what my father has sent me to do. And do you not trust me that I know that this storm is going on outside? Don't you have peace within me to see what's happening here? In verse 8, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. So I went through and I looked at each one of these things and I'm like, okay, how do I think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, like all these different things. And I started to ask my, myself, like, these emotions that I'm feeling, are they true? Is it, is it what's true about what God has told me about this life? Are these things that are actually, are they leading to me being a more honorable person? These thoughts that I have in my head. Am I seeing the justice that God has for the world? Am I seeing the purity that exists within God as I look at the world? 
Am I focusing my mind? Am I keeping my head on what's lovely and what's commendable? What should be talked about that lifts us all up? Is that where my head's at? Is that what I think about on a regular basis? Is that what I have rolling over in my mind? And the reality is, it's not a lot of times. There's a lot of distraction rolling around in my head and a lot of to-dos rolling around in my head. Not what is God doing here right now? How do I get back to that place that I, I focus on these things, not I dwell on these things, I sit in them, I live with it. I let it soak into me. I don't just, when I do my quiet time with Jesus, I don't just roll past it. I don't say it's 15 minutes and I gotta, I gotta do it because it's a part of my to-do list. No, I sit with it. I let it be the thing that rolls through my mind throughout the day, that I choose to see my circumstances as God moving, not as hindrances to do the things that I want to do. There's a, uh, a, a music artist, uh, his name's John Mark McMillan. Um, he wrote the songs, uh, How He Loves, and uh, King of My Heart, if you've ever heard those worship songs. Um, I love John Mark McMillan. I love his stuff. Um, he has this song called Monsters Talk um, that is, I love it. Um, it, he did a, an acoustic version with the dude from Need to Breathe. If you're into that, go check it out. Um, but it's this commentary about the song. So he's commenting on why he wrote the song. I was listening to it, and it just like hit me like a tongue at bricks um, because it talks about what verse 8 talks about. So I wanted to read it to you um, so that you can hopefully catch on to the idea of what I was I was seeing. He says this, there have been occasions in my life when I couldn't sleep. There have been times when I was worried about paying the bills or job-related stress, but most of the sleepless nights come from dealing with anger issues with people, usually people that I felt had left me, have let me down or abandoned me, people that I thought I trusted. Everybody has the same kind of experiences, and it's easy to spend all night rehashing the things you wish you would have said or rethinking your arguments, ways to pack more of a punch or be more poisonous. But in the end, anger only hurts you, and if the people I was arguing with weren't even there, then who was I even talking to? I think there can be two sides to the reality that we live in. The first reality is that life is hard, it's brutal, and it's sometimes outright terrible. But the other reality is that life is beautiful and full of wonder and hope. But these realities are both true. Both of these realities are true. The question I had to ask myself was which reality was I going to make friends with? Not denying that either one or pretending that one didn't exist. But which reality was I going to talk to and which reality was I going to let, was I going to listen to? Which one was going to talk to me? And then he goes to this song called Monsters Talk, where he's talking about the things that are chirping in his ear that don't sound anything like Jesus. 
And I think so much of us, so many of us, so much of what we do is things chirping in our ear that have nothing to do with Jesus. We're so distracted by this thing that is other than the thing that we need. So again, I ask you, where's your head at? Where's your mind focused on? Are you seeing how God is moving in the world? Are you seeing the good, lovely, pure things of God that exist within our world? And if you're anything like me, you're like, okay, cool, Paul. That's awesome. I don't do that. Like, it, I get to that place, and I don't know what to do now. How do I get back to this place that I'm not stuck in this spiral of negative emotion and stuck in this place, but I'm just reacting to the emotions that I'm having? How do I get out of it? And Paul says this in verse 9. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Go find some people who are going to point you back to Jesus. Go find a leader who is going to say, hey, I see you're in freakout mode. Are you focusing your eyes on who Jesus is and how he's real in your own life? Where's your focus at? Where's your head at? Are you distracted by the things of this world and your to-do list? Or are you focused on Jesus and the beautiful things that he has for you? Are you so focused and in the moment of your emotions that you can't see what God is trying to do in and through you? Find some people that will help point you in that direction. There are people here at River Valley who would love to do that for you. But some of you need to get to a place first of living your life with Jesus, giving him your life first. Because if you don't do that first, you can't ever get to the rest of this. God can't give you his peace that surpasses understanding unless you know him. God can't do these things for you. He can't give, give you positive emotions because you're focusing on him. He can't build that fruit within you and spending time with the spirit if you don't have the spirit that exists within you. You need that first. If that's you today, I pray that you would come talk to me, that you would talk to somebody here who would introduce you to Jesus, that you would know the love that Jesus has provided for you, that you are no longer sitting in a place of condemnation if you have given your life to Jesus, that Jesus has paid the penalty for your sin, your own selfishness. He has paid that penalty on the cross, and he has resurrected from the grave so that you might live new life with him now. And be honest, a lot of us, even the ones that call us ourselves Christians, our lives don't look all that lively because we're still sitting in the old way of life. Now, there's a sanctification process. There's a way that God works that out of us over time. But so many of us are waiting for heaven instead of realizing that eternal life starts at the point of salvation. 
We need to understand that life is better now with Jesus. It is ultimately better with Jesus in the new heaven and the new earth, but it is better now with him, even in the midst of really sucky circumstances now. So if that's you and you need to talk to somebody, pray with me, and I'd love to talk to you after this. God, I am so grateful for the truth that you give us through Paul as he's speaking to the Philippians. God, that you have showed us what it looks like to have self-control, that you give us a way of not sitting in our emotions. You give us a way of being different than the world, that we can not be focused on all the distractions around us. But God, we can focus on you and your goodness and how that is the one thing that we need to be focusing on, that that can be where our head is at. And that doesn't lead to anxiousness, God, but it leads to fulfillment in you. God, and I pray that if there's somebody here who doesn't know that today, that they would talk to me, that they would talk to somebody here on staff, that they would talk to their friend, that they would talk to their coworker who knows who Jesus is, and they would start a relationship with him today. God, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.